0: you are listening to the critical mass radio show orange county's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to ceos who are leading middle market companies with your host richard franzi hello and welcome to this episode of orange county's longest running business talk show and i am your host rick franzi we're going to have a very interesting interview today because our guest is Dr. John Mendola. He's a multifaceted entrepreneur and educator, and we're going to talk about a lot as well as a budding author. We're going to be talking about all that uh, on the show today, starting with he's the founder of UCIL, which is University Curriculum for Independent Learning, or Rocker to Doctor is one of his other monikers. So Dr. John, welcome to the program.
1: Hi, thanks, Eric, for having me. So
0: let's get right into the interview. Why don't we start with you as an entrepreneur? So you can you tell us a bit about your background and your professional entrepreneurial journey?
1: Sure. Um, I'm actually a musician, but not very good. Uh, but I started as a bass player, and um, I always wanted, you know, like every musician to you know play a stadium show and go big. And um, I had an opportunity to tour Asia as a bass player. And I put together some working capital in India and I set up my own stadium show from the ground up. And uh, 25 million well, 12 million people watched us on TV, and 15,000 people joined us at the concert. So, um, I kind of just took the entrepreneurial step and followed my dream and uh, was able to set up a stadium show and and play in front of people and and as a musician you know that's kind of like what you want to do um so that's how i got started
0: so uh that's the rocker part of the rocker to doctor and we'll talk about the doctor part in a little bit was that the only show that you produced or did that lead to other projects
1: yeah um what's interesting and and so as a promoter, I'd right, an entrepreneur. My you know thing was to set up stadium shows, make money, and do what I loved. And um, you know I always get questions: What happens when you fail? And um, one of our, our third show got wiped out by a monsoon or, or typhoon in India, and I I lost everything. Right? I, I'm like, oh my god! I'm following my dreams and passions. I had two great shows and an act of God wiped me out. Um, So as an entrepreneur using critical thinking skills, I said, well, I don't want to change my lifestyle. I love doing this, but I can't lose money. So um, I ended up regrouping and changing with the environment and going with uh, being a concert organizer. So I was then a guy for hire where companies are you know, uh, people putting on events would hire me to um, set up shows. So um, I was fortunate enough to do the Handover concert in 1997 in Hong Kong. Um, And that was uh, 38,000 people, 14 international acts. So um, I then, you know, became still doing what I love to do uh, and getting paid to do it without taking the risk. so I followed, uh, that path for a while and set up shows in Hong Kong and Korea and Macau and, um, and that was kind of got me into the record business.
0: So before we get into that, I'm just curious, you spent a lot of time in Asia, what, what was the original interest or fascination you had with India and the other countries in Asia?
1: With India, um, it was a good bang for the buck and predominantly an English-speaking country. So um, I put together uh, about 25 grand in working capital, and this was in 1994, and that was enough to set up a stadium show um, on my own. So I couldn't really do that anywhere else other than India was the place. Uh, so I, I knew I could go and four-wall a show you know, from start to finish on my own mm-hmm. uh, for X amount of money. So that was my... Desire to head over to India um, with some other factors as well. But um, Asia has always been kind of a, a boiling point for English speaking, you know, people wanting to learn English and music was always a great transition. Um, and Hong Kong at that time was. Being handed over or handed back to China in '97, so the opportunity for doing events was was really good because everybody was celebrating. So I I actually moved to Hong Kong from '96 uh, to '98 mm. and um, had another entrepreneur venture where I had a a, a Hong Kong company uh, purchased my music company in America. So. Um, it was a merger and acquisition, so they bought me and, and actually re- relocated me, and, um, and that kept me kind of in the heart of Asia, where I was, wasn't too far from India, wasn't too far from Japan, kind of right in the middle, and um, just uh, spent a lot of time out there, still do.
0: So, so you're like a serial entrepreneur, and it's interesting because you're serial entrepreneuring as you're overlapping things. It's not like sequentially; it's it, you're multitasking that. But I also know that you speak uh, in addition English. I know you speak Chinese because I've heard you online speaking. Uh, when how did you learn another language, and how many languages do you speak besides English?
1: Uh, I have a hard enough time speaking English. Um, <laughs> no uh, i I took two semesters at Irvine Valley College for Mandarin but the so not very much I don't have a big vocabulary as I just said I speak a little but not very much um usually I have to shut people down um, but uh so just a, a little I'm not fluent by any means but uh I have good I guess okay tones um but other than that a, a little bongali because i spent time in bangladesh um back in 92 we we're the first american band to tour bangladesh and we did it in 92 20 years after george harrison did the concert of bangladesh sure. in new york so we actually went there and reenacted the show um, which was really cool because we we got there and there's like 10,000 people at the airport and there's billboards we we're on tv so i guess i've been able to play the rock star in just weird parts of town. right? never in America, but, you know, I've had that, had that little bit of a limelight in my life. And and
0: that's intoxicating. It has to be intoxicating to have that, uh, fame and that, um, attention. And, uh, and so I commend you for being able to enjoy that success while also finding these other entrepreneurial ventures to apply your talents to. One that I wanted to talk about, which we kind of headlined the show with, which is you're launching an online university. The the abbreviation is UCIL. And I'm wondering if you could discuss the inspiration for launching this university. And then we'll talk about the project in specific of the actual getting the university up and operating. But what was the inspiration for you to make this commitment and focus on that?
1: Oh, totally weird because prior to the pandemic to COVID, um, nobody w- wanted online. I mean, students were like, No, I need brick and mortar, it's gotta be face to face, you know, true education. And then COVID pretty much, you know, indoctored us that we're online. And as a professor, I I I couldn't handle it either. I really I'm a face-to-face, you know, I want to interact. I, I like being in the mix. And and online was really hard and until you know I figured it out. You gotta do breakout rooms and let let them get together, you know, the, the students get together for 15 minutes, then come back. And you had to really interact because you can't lecture for two hours. So anyhow, getting to the point of opening up the university, now we're a couple years in. Uh, and to the pandemic or wherever we're at you know and the uh the students have the option of coming to school coming to campus so every other week i teach live on campus and i've had two out of 60 students show up only one time so students don't even want to go back to school anymore because they're used to sitting on couches in their pajamas eating cereal you know and not have to go anywhere so i i thought it was the perfect time to launch an online university so i guess innovation technology or trends would put me in the situation of well why not do an online university because now I can't get students to come to class, and before you couldn't get students to go online. So I, I think it's you know, the perfect timing, because whether you go to Harvard or UCI or wherever you go, you, you've had to do online the last couple of years. So um, I uh, was inspired to do this, and, and that was the main thing. So.
0: So so let's talk a little bit about the focus for the university. What what is your vision for the university you're creating online?
1: Well, in the States, it it takes around five years of being operational before you can get true accreditations. Um, So to kick things off, I, and I do this with the entrepreneurs mostly is I, I do what they call the bridge students. So or I teach. Um, so the to start the university off, we're offering university curriculum certificate courses with a focus on bridge students. So let's say seventeen to nineteen year olds. So uh, students that have finished high school or in high school that are looking to go to you know a Harvard or whatever. And um, we're going to give them the same curriculum they're going to have that once they get there as a freshman. So we're offering uh, the same courses I'm teaching now, whether I'm teaching at IBC, Irvine Valley College, or at Westcliff. Cliff. Um, so giving them the same McGraw-Hill you know, textbooks, um, the same courses as a certificate. So if they're taking a, a course in economics, it'll have five courses in economics and this way when they submit their applications to a school they can say hey i have a certificate economics and here's all the courses i've already taken so um, once accredited so when we get that five-year mark down the road then we're the real deal and you know then we can open up but as of right now we're teaching um we have seven certificate courses in business um, and we have the liberal arts um, general ed courses, which is like music, uh, political science, history, so the, the, the core classes that you're going to have to take to get a degree. Um, so that that's really the, the concept of what we're doing and um, just uh, getting it off the ground.
0: So uh, and it takes a lot of energy, as any early stage entrepreneur knows, to create something new. You need to attract both the students to your university and you also need to attract the educators who are going to prepare the courses and deliver the courses. Can you can you talk a little bit from an entrepreneur's perspective about how you are creating demand for your product as well as creating content to be able to supply that demand?
1: okay well the content is easy because um the courses i've been teaching over the last seven or eight years are, are pretty much all uh, most universities have to use like the mcgraw hill or mm-hmm. the persons um so the curriculum itself uh the books are all in place and then you have the discussions you have the quizzes so the curriculum's easy because it, it's you know a three unit accredited course so the curriculum is licensed so we uh when we sign a student up for a course um they pay us for the units and then we license out the curriculum to um, the academic you know books themselves such as mcgraw hill um as far as um getting the students uh once we get everything launched and and going then we'll start advertising to the bridge students um and then professors at the moment uh it's me and dr Jeanette Voss, and um i have a a couple other colleagues that are um helping us as well but the the first one we're launching is just a business administration course uh which is a five unit course in business administration and i'll be teaching all those and then as we grow into all seven courses and expand and get the the student bandwidth then um, i'll start bringing on more colleagues
0: so like any new venture it takes money to get a business off the ground so how, how are you not to get personal, but how are you financing it? And what's your vision for the uh, the corporation or the business entity that underpins UCIL?
1: Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because being I teach entrepreneurship, I mean, everyone always thinks, oh, I get the product right. online and I'm going to make millions. Well, right, we get the right place at the right time with the right stuff, get lucky, something go viral. But you know, <laughs> Bottom, we have really you can yodel in a Walmart and open up for Britney Spears at Coachella, but um, you know, just like you can win the lotto, but you know, basically, you, you have to market whatever you have, and that that's pretty much the bottom line. So, um, in this case, uh, we're actually, uh, and it'll be the first time me doing this because I've never did an IPO before, and as a you know, professor you know, I've, I've done merger and acquisitions and I've, you know, sold companies and, and things like that, but I've never done an IPO. So I'm actually excited to do it because, you know, it'd be nice for you to teach courses and say, Oh yeah, I did an IPO. So, um, we're, we're actually putting that all together right now. And, uh, um, hopefully by the end of this year, beginning of next year, we'll have the IPO together, um, to get the, the university off the ground.
0: That's very exciting. I, and you mentioned Dr. Janet Voss. I know she's a, uh, a well-known author, and you're co-authoring with her a, ne- a new book. And I'm wondering if you could describe the content of the book
1: that you and Dr. Voss are writing. OK. Yeah, Dr. Voss, um, she sold over 10 million copies in Asia of her first book, um, The Learning Revolution. And I think about 32 million worldwide. Uh, but the new series is called the Self-Learning Revolution because we're in a technology age, right, where anyone can be a self learner. So um, there's six books in the series. Uh, I'm in three of the the six books, and my uh, I write a chapter on entrepreneurship in one of the books, um, which talks about thinking outside the box and and you know, basically just being a, a, a self-learner, a self-thinker, you know, working out problems. Uh the two methodologies I teach are uh, lean six sigma, which is D define, measure, analyze, improve and control, improve and control. As environments change, you you change with it. And of course, SWOT. Um, so strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. So I I teach people or in this book on my entrepreneurship um, I show people how to identify you know opportunities or problems and how to work through them going through steps and I guess my niche is especially as a university professor um, I don't uh, most professors teach from a book because their job in life is to teach. I'm the opposite. I teach as a hobby, but I teach you know, what I've been doing for the last 12 years. So I make the textbook come to life by showing reality. So in Dr. Voss's book, um, as I write the chapter, I give them real-life scenarios, like here, you know, here's what the book says, how you do it, and here's how it was actually done. So that's kind of my gig, making the textbook come to life.
0: I love that because I believe in the power of collective intelligence and peer learning and examples are a great way to teach, especially young adults and adults. We learn better through stories. Mm-hmm. And you're pro- it sounds like you're bringing stories of your experience into Mary with the academic content that's contained in the book. Very powerful.
1: Yeah. And I enjoy it. So it's, it's teachings, my hobby. I just, I, I like sharing with people and helping people learn.
0: Well, you're about to launch something that could help a lot of uh, young minds kind of take the next step. And you're right. The pandemic has disintermediated a lot of traditional industries. And it feels like from this conversation, it is also doing that to the academic and the university systems that people kind of used for generations as a way to get educated. And these are now new alternatives. So congratulations for being on the frontier of maybe the next wave in education.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: So if someone would like to learn about you, the work that you do, the university that you're launching, or the book that you're writing, I mean, where do they go, doctor, to kind of learn more about you?
1: Um, Well, LinkedIn has a pretty good profile on me. Um, And if you can put up what that is, because I don't know if it's LinkedIn slash Jay Mandola or John Mandola. Um, and the university is, is live at ucileducation.com at the moment. Um, so the, the course curriculum and concept and everything's up there. So that's
0: exciting. So, um, I'd like to thank you for being a guest on the program and giving a bit of your, I know, busy time to sort of share what you're doing in your journey. I appreciate the time we spent together, Dr. John
1: and thank you so much for having me, Rick you're welcome i'd also
0: like to thank the audience you're either watching us today live on one of our platforms or you'll be listening to it as an audio podcast on all the major podcasting sites and your audience you're a part of orange county's longest running business talk show uh dr johnny's episode is episode number 1370. if you're a fellow orange county entrepreneur and you'd like to tell your story on this platform then connect with me on linkedin I'm Rick, R-I-C, Franzi. You can also visit my website, which is the same thing, rickfranzi.com. We can start a conversation and, and hopefully have you on our program at some future date. Until the next time we all have a chance to be together, I truly hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction.